Amen. Well, it is good to be here again. As I was telling you earlier, the, a lot of the women, uh, they are heading back from the women's retreat, and I've heard nothing but good things from that. Uh, as you know, we're right in the middle of a series we called The Great Exchange, and last week was pretty fun. This week, I think it's going to be good. You're going to enjoy it, but the idea is this great exchange that Jesus on the cross, because of Jesus, because of the cross, because of his death, because of his sacrifice, because of his resurrection, a great exchange has occurred where he takes away our sins. Instead of death, we have now been given life. He willingly died on the cross. He willingly took our place. Don't you know that we deserved the death? We deserved to die for our sins, but he willingly laid down his life for us. A death we deserved willingly took our place so that in his death, you and I could live. That's what we discovered last Sunday, the idea of freedom, if you remember, from captivity into freedom. We were captive to sin. We were slaves to sin. We were trapped by the devil. No hope of escape, but then comes Jesus. Then comes our Savior, and in Him, and in Him alone, you and I have been set free. And I loved preaching on freedom last Sunday. In fact, I can't think of something I enjoy preaching on more than the freedom that you and I I have in Christ. Anybody else excited about the freedom that we have in Jesus Christ? Amen. Well, I want to say thank you to everyone who came forward for prayer last week. Uh, I was on a licensing panel for Foursquare this week, actually with John, who's one of our amazing chaplains in the area. He and I were interviewing a gentleman this last week who was trying to receive his pastoral license. And during the interview, he shared how he's, this gentleman's on a prayer team. And he said, it's just so sad that no one comes up for prayer. And this was like two, three days after um, I was in the service last Sunday where I spent 20 to 30 minutes after each service praying for you guys, praying after one, after one, after one, after one. I just want to encourage you, keep coming up, right? Come on, let's do it. Like, it's not like you just you get prayed for once, one time and then you wait another year until you get prayed for again. Uh, some of you just got to be stubborn in your prayers. Come up every week. There's no punch card that says after you have 10 punches, you can't come up anymore. I, I just encourage you. Keep on coming up for prayer. In fact, one of my favorite things about LifeSpring is that you guys don't even wait to come up front. You just start praying for one another. I, I love it. I see prayer in the lobby. I see prayer in the sanctuary. I see you guys praying for one another in, in the parking lot. Keep on praying. Keep on seeking the Lord. You draw near to the Lord and the Lord draws near to you. I assure you that as you spend time with Jesus in prayer, you will experience the freedom that only Christ can bring. Freedom, church. He wants to set you free. Today we're staying laser focused on Jesus. It's all about Jesus. We're looking at scripture again that talks about Jesus. We're going to see all the marvelous things, the amazing things that he has done for us. But hopefully also we'll become a little more aware of the amazing things, the marvelous things that he continues to do for us. Last week, we kind of went into depth in Luke chapter 4. If you have your Bibles, go ahead and open them up again to Luke chapter 4. We went into detail about Jesus being the Messiah, Jesus being the anointed one, the promised one who would deliver God's people. But we spent some time in Luke 4. Luke 4 is pretty amazing, church. An amazing event happens in Luke chapter 4. Jesus comes into Nazareth, the place where he had been brought up. 
as was his custom, he did this all the time. He went into the synagogue on the Sabbath and he stood up to read. The scroll of the prophet Isaiah was given to him. The attendant gave it to him. He unrolled the scroll. And he found the place where it was written. And he quotes Isaiah 61. He says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind to set at liberty those who are oppressed to proclaim the year of the Lord's Savior. He rolls up the scroll, gives it back to the attendant. He sits down. All the eyes of everyone in the synagogue fixed on Jesus and he begins to say to them, Today, this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. Hallelujah. As we discussed past Sunday, Jesus, he's reading from Isaiah, the portion of scripture, Isaiah 61. If you keep on reading Isaiah 61, you hear about this deliverer of God's people, this Messiah, this anointed one. Yes, he sets the captives free, but it goes on to say that Messiah has been sent to comfort all who mourn to provide for those who grieve in Zion, to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, this oil of joy instead of mourning, a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. They will be called oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord for the display of His splendor. Now as a Christian, you can read this and you can confidently say, you know what? You know who this is? This is Jesus. They're talking about Jesus. This is Jesus. I know this is what Jesus has done for me. This is G what Jesus is doing for me and this is also the Jesus by the way, I don't know if you knew this or not, the Jesus that is coming back one day, he is the soon and coming king, he's coming back, and once for all, he's going to defeat sin and death forever. Do you believe that, church? Hallelujah. But I love the imagery of the passage. This crown of beauty instead of ashes. A crown of beauty. This oil of joy instead of mourning. A garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. Just picture someone standing here with ashes on their head. Ashes on their head. Someone who's in mourning, who's in despair. I don't know if you remember the story of Amnon and Tamar. Amnon does the unthinkable to his sister. And then Tamar, she leaves the room. And what does she do? She puts ashes on her head. She tears her clothes. It's the greatest sorrow. It's the greatest sense of mourning and despair. And this is what happens in this world. As you live life, as you walk on this earth, sin and death, the evil of this world, it has a way of bringing us to a place of despair. We find ourselves in a place of mourning. Sometimes a place of mourning because of circumstances. Sometimes because of others, the evil actions of others. But sometimes because of our own selves, right? Because of our own decisions, our own actions. And so sin and the effects of sin begins to take its toll on us. And so we walk with ashes on our heads without hope, without joy. And in 2017, we see this picture all around us, right? You don't have to look very far to see people who are in complete and utter despair, who are in mourning, not just a season of mourning, but a life of mourning, a life of despair. Now compare that with the picture that Jesus gives to us, that Jesus offers us. And Jesus says in John chapter 10, verse 10, he says, the thief, what is, he, comes, he comes only to steal, kill, destroy. But you know why I've come, Jesus says? I came so that you might have life. Life. 
have it to the full. Jesus brings life. Jesus brings the fullness of life. Where sin brings death, Jesus brings life. It's the extreme makeover Jesus edition, right? I mean, Jesus comes in. Just think about what he does. He comes in and he begins to wipe those ashes away. And he places instead on us a beautiful garland, a perfectly fitted crown of beauty. He anoints our head with oil. It's the oil of joy. As the psalmist writes, you anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. He cleans you up, church, right? He washes you. He anoints you where you maybe smelled a little bit before. Now you're giving off this fragrant aroma because in Christ you're smelling pretty good. Where you once wore a blanket of despair, you were clothed with despair. He has lovingly, piece by piece, removed the wardrobe of heaven and instead he clothes you with a garment of praise all because of Jesus Jesus changes everything Jesus changes everything Messiah has come because of him we have the privilege of partaking in this beautiful exchange and it's so important for us to remember this morning as Christians when you put your faith in Jesus as the Messiah, when you say, yes, Lord, I believe in you. I believe you're my Savior. I believe you that you're my King. When you say that, you don't just add Jesus to your life. It wasn't just addition, right? Where you just keep on living the same old life, but now I kind of got Jesus and Jesus just adds to my already old life. That's not the Christian life. We, I hope we understand that. That isn't the Christian life. With Jesus, something much better and what I say much more radical occurs. When you put your faith and you put your trust in Jesus, addition doesn't take place. Transformation takes place. Do you believe that? Do you, I hope you do. You don't just add Jesus. A transformation occurs by the Spirit of God. Paul explains the supernatural transformation in Galatians chapter 2, verse 20. You remember this one? He says, I've been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live, but say it with me, church, but Christ lives in me. When we became Christ followers, we didn't just add Jesus to our lives. We actually died. I was thinking about this. I said this first service. Some of us have to get better at dying. Right? You know what I mean. Dying to our old ways. Dying to our old patterns, old habits. That we're new. In Christ, we've become new. We're born again, adopted into the family of God as sons and daughters. Paul says that when we became Christians, for all of us who were baptized with Christ, get this. He says, we have clothed ourselves with Christ. Isn't that beautiful? We have clothed ourselves with Christ. So you don't just add Jesus and remain the same. No, you, who you are, from the very core of your being, you have changed. Your identity has changed. You're no longer wearing the same old clothes. You, my friend, have a new wardrobe. You have now been clothed with Christ. As a Christian, you put on Christ. As a Christian, you are hidden in Christ. Paul talks about that. Isn't that beautiful that you're hidden in Christ? In Colossians chapter 3, he says, For you died. You died. Now your life, where is it? Your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your everything, who is your life, when he appears, then praise the Lord, you will also appear with him in glory. 
See, this is so important. When you consider walking out the Christian life, we got to get this. You don't just add Jesus to your life and remain the same. No, we got to understand a great exchange has happened where you no longer live, but Christ lives in you and you live in him. So where you once were, these ashes on your head, where you once were full of mourning, clothed in despair, clothed with a heaviness by Jesus' death and resurrection, he has taken those things away and he has replaced every single one of them with himself. Hallelujah. And if you're a Christian here this morning, remember, right? Remember what Jesus has done for you. A good way to think about it is that Jesus changes everything, but also that Jesus is everything. That Jesus is everything. I know it sounds simple, but it's the truth. <laughs> Jesus. Jesus is that garland of beauty that is placed upon your head. Jesus is that oil of gladness. Jesus provides the garment of praise. Because of Jesus, we no longer have to live in our sins, no longer have to pay the penalty for our sins, no longer have to walk as slaves, no longer trapped by the devil. Instead, we got Jesus. I got Jesus. We have the Messiah who has covered us with himself, who has covered us, clothed us, filled us with his beauty, with his joy, and his praise. I think as Christians, I think a lot of people who follow the Lord, they, they don't understand this. They don't realize. Christians don't understand the true reality of this exchange. And I get it. On this side of heaven, we're not ever fully going to understand what Jesus has done. But the reality is Jesus has done something amazing and so many Christians have not been able to comprehend that in exchange, a supernatural transformation has occurred. By the way, that's why it's so important for you to read your Bible. So important to read your Bible because I want you to know who Jesus is from the Word of God revealing to you who Jesus is. By the way, have you ever tried being a Christian and not reading your Bible? It is the most miserable existence. Read your Bible. Do you know what the Bible's about? It's actually about the love of a father and his son who really loves you. The story is about Jesus. The story before the cross leads up to the cross. The story after the cross flows out of the cross. It's all about Jesus. And again, as you read the Word of God, you see Jesus is not just an addition to your life. He is your life. He replaces your life. Scripture declares, I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. Paul goes on to say, put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature. You have taken off your old self with its practices and have put on the new self. Everyone say new self. You've taken off the old self. You've put on the, say it with me one more time, the new self. New self. New self, which is being renewed in knowledge and the image of its creator, the new self, where Christ is all, where Christ is in all. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy, dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness. Clothe yourselves with humility. Clothe yourselves with gentleness and patience. Bear with each other. Forgive one another. Forgive one another. If any of you have a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues, put on love which binds them all together in perfect unity. Paul implores us. He says, clothe yourself with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, patience, forgiveness, love. What does that sound like? Who does that sound like? Yeah, say it again. Who does that sound like? Jesus, right? That's what it sounds like. Je we got to get this, church. We put on Jesus. Jesus. 
Jesus, compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, faith, patience, forgiveness, love. It's Jesus, 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 Jesus. It reminds me of when people talk about Ephesians 6. I love Ephesians 6, right? The armor of God. But sometimes I think we kind of miss the whole point of the chapter. You remember verse 10, it says, finally. And this is a huge encouragement from, from Paul. He says, finally, you, my brother, you, my sister, you, daughter, son of God, you be strong in your own power, in your own might, like just kind of muscle it up. No, where is our strength found? He says, no, you be strong. Where? In the Lord. And you be strong in His mighty power. Put on the full armor of God, son or daughter of God. Put on the full armor so you can stand. You can take your stand against the devil's schemes. And then he goes on, he gives a list, right? He says, stand with the belt of truth, the breastplate of righteousness, your feet fitted perfectly with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. He says, take up the shield of faith, the helmet of salvation, the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Truth, righteousness, peace, faith, salvation, the word. In all these things, none of these things can we obtain in our own or on our own. Right, I hope we understand that. That list, those are not things that we can earn on our own. None of those things, none of those, not even one of those things exist without Jesus. And yet it says we can stand against the devil. Do you know why we can stand against the devil? Do you know why we can resist the devil? Jesus. By the way, this sermon, great answer is just Jesus because it's all about Jesus. Because Jesus, he is covering. Because Jesus, he is perfectly fitting us with who? With him. Jesus is our armor. Remember, the beginning of the passage says, you be strong. In who? In the Lord. In Jesus. In him. In his mighty power. I love what Paul says in Colossians 2, 7. This verse fires me up. He says, you let your roots grow down, deep down into Jesus and let your life, your life be, be truly built on who? Built on Jesus. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. I asked this last week. I'll ask it again. Is there anything that compares to being a Christian? Is there anything that compares to knowing Jesus? Jesus changes everything. We once were held captive to sin. We once were trapped by the enemy. We once were full of hopelessness. We once were full of despair. We were covered in ashes in our mourning. But Jesus came in. He died on that cross. He exchanged it all. Where we were once dead, we are now alive. We are alive in Christ, clothed with Christ, filled with joy in Christ, filled with praise in Christ. We are free in Christ. Hallelujah. 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 Doesn't it just fill you with praise? Thankfulness for our God, for the love of God, for our good Father who sent His Son to die for us. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Jesus. And yet as Christians, even though Christ wipes away the ashes, even though he sets the crown of beauty on our heads, even though that's what we have in Christ, even though that's the reality of what we have in Christ, even though wearing that crown where we sing songs of he makes beautiful things out of the dust, even though that's true, how often in this life do we try to take the crown off and instead put the ashes back on our head? It happens to all of us, right? It happens to all of us. Sometimes it's just a few moments in our day. For others, maybe a few days in a week. Others, a few weeks in a month, a few months in a year. For others, 
It can be year upon year of us as Christians who are on this side of the great exchange. It's just seasons of us taking off that crown. Putting the ashes back on our head. I think, I think we've all been there before, right? You're on that side of the great exchange, but maybe it's a person, right? Someone that comes into your life. Maybe it's a circumstance. There's just things, right? Maybe it's finances. I don't know what it is for you, but they tempt us. They tempt us as the family of God to trade in that beautiful crown, that amazing, perfectly fitted garland, and we trade it in for ashes, right? I'm going to stay in this place. Even though I know what Christ has done for me, I'm going to stay here. Even though I know the instructions of Paul and Peter and James and John and Jesus, I'm going to stay here. Even though they told me who I am in Christ and whose I am in Christ, I'm laying those things down. I'm setting those things aside. Instead, I'm going to choose to live with ashes on my head. My friend put the oil away, put the garments back in the closet. I choose to stay on the wrong side of this great exchange. It happens all the time. And yet today, as I was preparing this message, I felt like I wanted you to know that today I'm speaking directly against that attitude. Because <laughs> I'm just not going to settle for that. We're not going to settle for that. And regardless of how you came in this morning, if that's how you've been living, I just want to say you don't have to live that way any longer. There is an amazing hope for you today. Jesus is here. Did you know Jesus is here? Do you believe he's here? When we sing those songs, we don't just sing about him, we sing to him. Jesus is here. And by the way, Jesus, he is really good. He is for you, not against you. And he loves you. He loves you with all your mistakes, with all your failures, every part where you've missed the mark, every time that you've settled for less, he still loves you. Even with all of that, he is here available and ready, willing and able to shower you with his love. Because of his death on the cross, you can experience both forgiveness and true freedom today. There is no reason for anyone, including yourself, to leave here in ashes. There is no reason for anyone, including yourself, to leave here in ashes. Today you can receive once again that garland, that crown of beauty. It is yours to receive in Jesus. It is your right as a Christ follower. In fact, in a little while, we're going to sing another song. And while we sing this song, I'd encourage you during that time, I, do what it, we'll do what you got to do, but I would encourage you to invite the Lord to wipe away the ashes once again. Invite him to place that crown of beauty back upon your head again. We're going to do that in just a little while, but before we close, there's one more area that has to be addressed, and this is so important, that even on this side of the great exchange, as beautiful as it is, as wonderful as it is, as marvelous as it is, there will be times in every one of our lives that will be full of great sorrow, grief, and mourning. Jesus tells us in this world we're going to have trouble. Paul says that he had to patiently endure troubles and hardships and calamities of every kind, he says. Paul, in different areas, he writes about persecutions and trials and insults and beatings. James tells us we'll face trouble. Peter says that we'll suffer. And by the way, you don't have to read these things in the Bible to know that they're true, right? Live long enough and you'll experience these things for yourself. And without being a total Debbie Downer, Right? That's not my goal here. But one of the realities of life is pain. Right? It's not a great way to grow a church. 
but one of the great realities of life. It is pain. It's grief. And it's mourning. Mourning is a part of life. Mourning is actually a very healthy part of being human. It is a part of the rhythms of being alive. Now, to permanently stay in a place of mourning is extremely unhealthy. But never mourning isn't very healthy either. Like, if you've ever been through something traumatic, and most of us have, if you've ever been through something traumatic and you never had a time of mourning, I promise you that that's going to get expressed somewhere, somehow. And you know where it often gets expressed? In your family, right? And it gets expressed towards your spouse, maybe your kids, maybe it's at work, maybe it gets affected, uh, uh, expressed in your health. It's going to end up affecting something, somewhere, somehow. We have to remember, church, Jesus mourned. Did you know that? Jesus mourned. When he found his friend uh, Lazarus, remember what Jesus did? The Bible says that he wept. He wept when he saw his friend. Throughout his earthly ministry, Jesus expresses amazing, intense sorrow. Remember, he was riding on that donkey into Jerusalem. Remember that scene? Riding into, the, uh, into Jerusalem. And the Bible says that as he drew near and he saw the city, that Jesus wept over it. He was overcome with emotion. He wept over the city. He knew what would happen to them now that they have rejected him as Messiah. In life, there's a time for mourning. There's a time for weeping. You have permission from the Lord to weep. You have permission from the Lord to weep. And for the rest of us, as Christian brothers and sisters, we need to be sensitive in these moments. We need to allow for others to grieve, for others to mourn and to weep. Romans 12:15 tells us that we're to weep with those who weep. Another translation says to mourn with those who mourn. You know, when someone's walking through a tragedy, sometimes we say the most unintelligent things in our attempt to help. And I wrote down unintelligent, but there's other words I could have put there. We just say some stuff. Um, one of the more popular ones that we throw out is, well, you know, for those who love God, all things work together for good. And yeah, that's true. I, I believe that. But most of the time, in that moment, your friend or your family member, they don't need your little holy bumper sticker of faith thrown into their face. I mean, I believe that verse as much as anybody. It's an eternal truth. But your friend, your family member... Here's the deal. They're probably going to have to discover that truth for themselves as they walk with the Lord, as they spend personal time with the Lord. And by the way, it's probably going to take some time. It might take a season. It might take season upon season for them to discover that truth. And they're going to have to walk it out. And in God's timing and probably in the quietness of a moment just between them and the Lord, don't you know that the Holy Spirit will begin to speak that truth over them? For we know, Danny boy. For we know, Jason. For we know, Wayne. For we know Jacob we know that those who love God for them all things work together for good the Lord will speak his truth over their life but as loved ones we need to learn how to be sensitive as we interact with those who are suffering see in this family in the family of God we need to make room for the full expression of our humanity the entire expression of our humanity. So make room for our joy, but also for our sorrow. To make room, yes, for our victories, but also for our defeats. And for someone, when someone is walking in the valley, you can't rush the valley. 
I want to say this again. We, we hate this, but it's true. For someone walking in the valley, you can't rush the valley. I witness this all the time. When you find someone walking in the valley, you just start throwing scriptures at them, right? And if you just feel like, if I throw enough scriptures at them, eventually it will get them out. Well, there's a time for scripture, right? But when you're sharing scripture with others, you need to make sure you are being led by the Holy Spirit. Because you know who else uses scripture? Satan. Satan is really good at using scripture. But we need to be led by the Spirit of God, full of the discernment, full of the sensitivity that comes from him. Lean on and lean into his timing and how and when and if we share scripture. But life stream, often the best thing you and I can do, when you see someone walking in the valley, it isn't to go get in your chopper, you know, try to fly in and get them out. But instead, you know, some of the times the best thing for us to do is to get off our high horse, take off our superhero Christian suit, and instead we need to humble ourselves. We need to just get down in there and begin to walk with them. Notice this as a pastor, as someone who often is interacting with people in their time of need. Most of the time, this isn't every time, but most of the time, the best thing that I can do is to just be there with the person. It's the ministry of presence, right? Just the ministry of being there. They don't need another sermon. They don't need any of that. They just need someone to be with them, someone to love them enough to sit with them, to be still, maybe even silent with them. In church, we can all do this, right? Every one of us, we can do this. The, the Bible tells us that the Father, God, He's the Father of compassion. He's the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all of our troubles so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves receive from God. And then if and when the appropriate time comes, you speak, right? And you share. And as the Lord leads, you read Scripture. Scripture is beautiful. At the right time, Scripture, there's nothing more powerful than Scripture. Maybe you read a psalm of David. Maybe you sing a song of praise. But you do these things. This is so important. You do these things not to try to catapult the person out of the valley, but you do these things to encourage the person to come alongside, to walk alongside, to love them, to comfort them, to let them know that as they're walking through the valley, they're not walking alone, that you're walking with them, and most importantly, that God is walking with them. Church, that's who we've been called to be. Comforters, as God comforts us, that you and I might comfort others. I want to share this as well, and I hope everybody's listening. This is good. I want you to know this, that Jesus is really good at leading people out of the valley. So you know that. Jesus, Jesus is really good at leading people out of the valley. If you've lived long enough as a Christian, you know this to be true. You don't need me to tell you from a stage. You've walked with the Lord. You've seen that our God is good at bringing people out of the valley. Now, there's seasons in life, right, where you thought you would never, ever be out of the valley, right? You, you thought that season would never, ever change. And yet God, he is good, and he is faithful, and he saw you through. Jesus, he's really good at bringing joy where the earth and the world, it only brings mourning. Jesus comes in and brings his joy. Jesus is really good at bringing celebration where you were just covered, you were clothed, you were buried in despair. Isn't it amazing the joy that Jesus can bring? If you're walking in one of those seasons today, and some of you are, right? Probably more than one or two. There's several of you probably walking in a season just like that today. 
I want to encourage you. It sounds so simple to say, but it's the truth. Stay close to Jesus. Stay close to Jesus. Put your hope in Jesus. Put your trust in Jesus. He's got you. He will never let you go. He promises to never leave you nor forsake you. He's going to see you through it. He's going to be with you every step of the way. And you can be confident. Even when it feels like everything is going against you, you can be confident. You can stand. You can be bold and trust that nothing and no one will ever be able to separate you from the love of God that is found in Christ Jesus. Even death itself will not take you away from that truth. Even in death, church, even in death, Jesus wins. Even in death, my last breath on this earth is my first breath in eternity with him. Church, yes, we're hard-pressed on every side, but we're not crushed. Perplexed, sure, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not abandoned. Struck down, but I am not destroyed. Even if everything in your life currently looks like ashes, even if everything in your life looks like ashes, God wants to remind all of us today not to lose hope and do not fall into despair. By his son's death and resurrection, you and I, we will not be destroyed. God loves us. God is for us. And today, Jesus is willing. He is able. He has the power to wipe away every ash from your head and give you once again, place upon your head a perfectly fitted crown of beauty. Hallelujah. Church, I want to share a video with you. It's a couple members of our church family, and they have both walked through extremely difficult situations. But I hope that this video encourages you as you see the faithfulness of God, but also the supernatural power of this great exchange. Let's watch this together. married to a man who was chronically ill for many, many years. So I always kind of knew his lifespan wouldn't be really long. And while he was dying, my dog slept next to him for like five days. And then a couple days after he died, the dog died. <laughs> and then mm, a month, I think, after that, or two months after that, my youngest son graduated from high school and joined the Marines. And that same month, my youngest daughter got married. So, totally a lot. Because I had a big family, five kids, and all of a sudden it was just me. I lost my parents, all my my parents and my wife, all within a year. It was like uh, I buried my dad in January. Three weeks later, found out my wife had cancer and it was less than five months and she was gone. I remember pounding on walls and in the shower, you know, crying and stuff and, and why God, why, you know, and you know, and deep down I'm feeling sorry for myself, which is, God understands during that, you know, he understands that. You know, they said, well, you're gonna get mad at God. I said, I'll never do that, you know, but I did. through the grief counseling 
morning and I didn't pass the first time. <laughs> so I said, you know, I, I'm going to take it again. <laughs> but you know, when I when I lost Jackie, I I, I just my purpose in my heart somehow I'm going to be a better person through this somehow. Because um, I remember what Joyce Meyer said, you know, you can either get bitter or get better. And, I remember thinking I'll never get married again, that's for sure. <laughs> I have this cute little Miata convertible and I was, it was, it was kind of new and I was pulled it out of my parking spot at church one day and he went to go past me and then he stopped and backed up and said, where'd you get that? And we started talking about my car. I've been checking her out at church. <laughs> <laughs> There's a lot of things in my life that I wanted that this marriage gave me. I would drive that road and, and I remember praying, Lord, I'd love to live here someday where I could drive and see this church every day. No matter what the season is, it's, not all four seasons are just beautiful when you're driving looking at that white. At the Lutheran church. The little white Lutheran church. You know, that was answered and I always loved living at Edgewood. The little things that mean a lot to you. God cares about those things. And it, it, it has impacted me so much. It's really grown my faith. She's fun and um, likable and and uh, just a joy to be with. And I love her. There's not a day that goes by that I'm not positive. It's gone. His plans are so much better than ours. Yeah, you know? yeah. We, can't, we, we can't know what they are. And you just have to hang on for the ride. I guess what I'd share, if anybody, you're going to have disappointment. But, um, hold on. Hold on to your faith. Don't. Because that's when a lot of people give up. And that's when you, you need, instead of running from God, you need to run to God. Hold on to God. Because. The ride's not over. Man. Wow. Yeah, thank you to Dave and Jan for sharing their story. But at this moment, we wanted to try something um, different today. Just to provide a space for us to spend time with the Lord during the service. We're going to sing a song. And as, as we sing the song, the reality is we are human. And we have emotions and we have feelings. We have hurts. We have pains. We have joys and sorrow. Mountaintop experiences and valley seasons. But I believe that God is big enough for it all. Do you believe that? I believe that God is big enough for it all. And God wants to speak to you. He wants to meet you in this time. That whether you're a Christian or not, whether you're feeling good or not, that regardless of how you came into this moment, that you would leave here knowing that He loves you, knowing that He's for you, and knowing that He is continuing to do what He's always done, which is to set the captives free and to take ashes and replace them with a garland, a beautiful crown. 
And so we took out the front row, and, and I'm not going to bug you if you come forward. I'm not going to hound you. We'll leave you alone. This is just between you and the Lord. But as we sing this song, if you want to come forward and just spend some time at the foot of the cross and just allow Him by His Spirit to minister, to speak, and to shower you with His love. I, I don't know what you're going through, but God knows. And God is not indifferent to your pain. He's not indifferent to your sorrow. He loves you and He wants to comfort you today. Comfort you by His presence. Comfort you with His love. So if you would, if you would stand, rise to your feet. We're going to sing this song together.